the Virgin Australia brand ticks so many good boxes, it forgot to tick one of the most important, the business model. Um, and when you get that wrong, um, at some point, you pay. Welcome to the Brand Transformation Show by Blurt, where we unpack what it takes to transform organizations through technology, leadership, and creativity. Welcome to the Brand Transformation Show by Blurt. I'm your host, Craig, and I am joined by brand expert and founder of Blurt, Stuart Leo. Stu, this is the first time in a month or two that you and I have actually been able to be in the same room. It's quite amazing. It's quite amazing. This is good. It's a different time that we live in. We are 1.5 apart. Well and truly. And um, Including including the girth that I've added in this time. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't need to add any. (laughs) It's it's good to be back in the same room, um, getting back to business. Uh, Yes. Uh, Hey, Stu, we wanted to talk briefly today about Virgin Australia and their rather rapid nosedive, no <laughs> pun intended, in Australia. We shouldn't laugh. No. What? So, Stu, what's the situation with Virgin Australia? All right. So, the big idea for today's podcast, and, and we love doing this, um, is, uh, is looking at big brands because when big brands make small mistakes, they're really big and obvious. Um, and, uh, and it's not that we want to pick on big brands or pick on leaders or do anything like that. And if you've listened to any of our podcasts, remember the enemy is the gap. Um, and so the big idea on this podcast is expansion without focus creates weakness. Expansion without focus creates weakness. Mm. Mm. As a brand, when you expand your focus, expand your product, service, market reach, um, you're increasing the, the focus. You're, you know, think about a magnifying glass focusing. Yep. But brands are built on differentiation and brands are built on their ability to stand for something, not for everything. Yeah. And so I, I think what we'll uncover in this story, and, and this is an evolving story, mm. but this story of Virgin Australia for the last 10 years is one of expanding focus with lack of depth and lack of um, delivery and consistency. And and we'll unpack that. I think the, the big thing we talk about in this podcast is is the brand gap. You mm. know, we you know a brand starts um, creating a gap in their in in what customers believe and experience and what they really do. That gap can happen um, on the customer side, so um, a belief. It, it can also happen on the financial side. Yeah, right. And and this is a classic example of the gap happening on the financial side. What, what do we mean by that? It's as we're creating success on the customer side, which looks like success, we're actually creating failure. We're buying it on the financial side. Sure. And and the whole story of what we do with brand, brand anatomy, is about connecting brand to the business model, to the market assessment, to the customer experience, to the employee experience. So that as you build, live, breathe, deliver that brand, you're doing it profitably and sustainably. Mm-hmm. And so the big idea here, which we're going to uncover is and and learn from is that as Virgin Australia, not Virgin Group globally, Virgin Australia, so Virgin's airline um, here in Australia, as they lost focus and as they expanded, that increased the gap on the financial side, that means debt and lack of profitability. Mm. And as we know, um, and my, one of my favourite sayings from Warren Buffett is when the tide goes out, 
we always get to know who wears pants. <laughs> <laughs> on so, that, on that note, on that note, um, what's 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 the what's the current situation then? Sort of fill fill us in. All right, okay. So you, you were filling me in earlier. Fill fill our listeners in. Fantastic. Um, now I'm going to say from the outset, yeah. I love Virgin. I have been a dedicated customer of Virgin uh, for a significant amount of time yeah. to have a significant enough interest in making sure they recover. Um, and uh, and I actually um, really believed in in Virgin as an airline, still do. But I think the recovery will be a, a different airline, mm. a different. I'll come to that later. Mm-hmm. What's the situation now? So in April, effectively Virgin um, Australia or Virgin Australia Holdings Limited went into administration. Um, uh, that's not a collapse. It's not dead. Um, uh, that just means that the administrators have moved in because as a business they're, they're not a going concern. The, right. the money coming in cannot support the money that needs to go out. Mm. Um, that's a, so you call in the administrators and um, under corporate laws, that allows you to do a whole bunch of things, um, put creditors at bay, um, make sure that you can go about restructuring the business and putting the business back together well and, and potentially finding a buyer. And so that's what they've announced, that Virgin's for sale. It's, in a, right. it's obvious, obviously in a trading halt. Um, uh, everything's in a trading halt. Um, yes. There was a run on Virgin velocity points. Um, right. Uh, people were trying to transfer those out and, and escape the collapse because this this experience is still fresh in many minds of Australian um, of Australians. So yep. We all remember the collapse of Ansett, mm-hmm. and and the reason Ansett collapsed um, is part of the reason for Virgin's success. And where does Virgin find itself today? Oh, where Ansett was. And, and I think there's some big lessons to learn um, between the two experiences. So so there's about 19 buyers vying to buy Virgin. Wow. The, the administrators, Deloitte, hope that they'll have a sale by the end of June. Um, you've got um, Indian Airlines looking at taking a stake, uh, t- looking at buying it out. You've got major um, equity groups like um, Brookfield in Canada making a play. We've even had some remarkable scenarios where the Queensland government has instructed QRC, the, the Queensland Investment Corporation, to make a play wow. and build a consortium. Is Clive Palmer making a play? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I, I mean, this is, this is really important for us as a nation here in Australia um, from a society point of view because we need two big, strong airlines supporting mm. The economy and supporting. You don't um, rate Tiger in that. Well, you got to remember, Virgin owns a pretty big stake in Tiger. There you go. So, um, uh, so what's the situation right now? Um, there's not very many planes flying. Um, in fact, uh, we were sitting at home the other night in the back deck having a quiet G and T at sunset, and my wife turned to me and said, "What's that?" And it was <laughs> a plane flying overhead. Wow. Um, you know, so the so. I, I know our local airport is is down to like one flight a day. Um, you know, it's crazy. These are crazy times. So the recovery will happen. Um, all all the numbers that, that people seem to be bouncing around say that okay, the airline industry, the aviation industry is going to bounce back. It'll come back, but it's probably going to come back off the back of domestic tourism, which makes sense because mm-hmm. nobody's flying internationally in a hurry. Mm-hmm. So there will be a future of a couple of airlines 
we're, we're seeing some of the smaller airlines in Australia start to um, think about making a play to increase um, competition on some of the, the, the domestic routes. You've got to remember that Australia holds one of the most um, – uh, one of the busiest and therefore highly sought-after routes in the world. Right. Which is the Sydney to Melbourne business route. So Sydney to Melbourne is one of the busiest routes in the world. And mm. and and so it, there is actually money to be made here in Australia in airlines. Um, and strangely, um, about, you know, 10 years ago, Virgin Australia, back then known as Virgin Blue, was making money. And and they've only had one year in the last 10 years where they've made money. And as, a, as an airline. As an airline. Mm. So – I mean, if you're doing something and you're not making money, after 10 years, you either need to get your ass kicked or you've got to stop and reassess. You can't keep going. So, so that's the situation right now. There's, there's, um, I remember uh, Alan Joyce um, when, the, when the crisis happened and, and Qantas was one of the first to respond. They, they pulled back flights. They shut down flights. And his comments in the press conference were crystal clear. Uh, this will be a survival of the fittest. Mm. And I have no doubt he was absolutely referring to a very unfit balance sheet and poor business model over at Virgin Australia. Mm. And and so I hope um, for the sake of my um, velocity points, for the sake of the great experience that we have with Virgin and, and my love of the airline, I hope something uh, recovers. And in this episode, we're going to pull apart what happened, why, and what to learn from it. Great. So what went wrong, Stu? All right. What went wrong? The big idea, f- expansion without focus creates weakness. Mm. When Virgin launched, so Virgin Blue launched, that was a, a effectively a, a, a joint venture put together through um, Richard Branson's Virgin Group, Patrick, Gor- Patrick Corrigan here in Australia, and they, they broke apart the Australian airline market and it's a great story of at the time Ansett and Qantas two big competitors were effectively a duopoly and reaping the rewards Mm. and um, at the time Virgin launched to say hey we're here to keep the airfare we probably all remember the billboards and the ads and 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 they launched with a really simple proposition we're going to deliver to you an affordable and great experience. Mm. So we're going to take the virgin way of doing things, you know, fun and exciting and a great experience, and we're going to figure out a way to do it more affordably and we're going to attack the marketplace. Didn't virgin come in after Ansett collapsed or were they? No, they, oh. no. They were actually came in before it collapsed and they'd only been in the market a short amount of time huh. and then Ansett collapsed. Right. So um, it wasn't that Ansett collapsed and virgin came into – to right. take it, it was it was no Virgin, and, and Branson actually talks about this in in one of his books, um, where their big learning coming out of the Coke debacle in the UK, right. a little bit of, a little bit of Virgin history. That's another that's another that's episode. A, I think that should be, <laughs> but effectively Virgin took on Coke and said we want to we we want to create. Do you remember Virgin Cola? Cola. I, I actually do now yeah. that you mentioned it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Um, so Virgin Cola was an unmitigated disaster and the Virgin organisation learnt a lot about their brand through that experience. Yeah. And what they learnt through that experience was that Virgin stood to be the customer's champion. Virgin does well when 
they play the common man, the common entrepreneurial man who makes it good. I mean, it's mm-hmm. such a such a brand connected with the founder. Mm. So when Virgin goes into a marketplace and sees a duopoly or, or, a, or a pain point for customers and comes in and breaks it open and makes it fair again and, and smartly creates value, yeah, right. they are at their best. Mm-hmm. The debacle in the UK with Coca-Cola was that they, they looked at the cola market and went, people love Virgin. We've been Virgin Records and we've got rock stars and they come to our festivals and, and, and they got the brand wrong. They forgot, in fact, they didn't know, they realised it through the experience that the brand that is the customer's champion in the cola market is Coke. Yeah. And so they became a Me Too brand. Sure. And in fact, it's exactly what's happened here in Australia with Virgin Australia and Qantas. So you're saying Virgin has morphed into becoming more like Qantas? Virgin? Or not enough of a point of differentiation? Exactly, yes. Um, in fact, um, I, I will read to you the words from the brand agency that was the creative brief back in 2000 and around 2011. Right. Um, where um, – and, and, and let's just put some time periods in place. I believe for about the first 10 years, Virgin Blue did a great job. They delivered on what it meant to break open the market and create a great experience at affordable prices. And they targeted a certain type of customer that responded to that. Mm. The disenfranchised, disenfranchised Qantas customer that was kind of annoyed with where Qantas was at at the time with high prices and poor service and, mm. and a very corporate-feeling airline. And, and this new, fun, exciting airline kicked into gear with all the excitement of of the PR that a Richard Branson can get yep. into gear. And and for about 10 years, they did that well. And you know what? They were making money. And the secret to making money was that they actually had a really smart, efficient business model. And part of that business model, well, they stuck to 737s. Mm. They stuck to specific routes that they knew they could compete and break open and make money on. And they ran a very efficient service model and it wasn't about being cheap not at all it was about delivering great service uh-huh. virgin was so good at that that Qantas actually responded with jetstar and you know there's a whole story around how jetstar um emerged which should be another podcast too yeah but you've got to remember in in less than a decade we went from a duopoly of um of Qantas and ansett fighting it out to virgin breaking open the market to ansett falling apart to Qantas, and that's a great story for another time of how Qantas created Jetstar. Jetstar emerged, starts to attack uh, Virgin on a price proposition. Mm. Jetstar really owns the leisure market. Um, and today we now have, you know, aside from the the ancillary and, and um, logistical airlines, we have great airlines in regional Australia, uh, Rex and Alliance, and we have this fight out, the two big ones. So Qantas holds about... 50 to 60% market share. Virgin holds now a bit over 30%. Well, not now, but mm. pre the yeah. nosedive, about 30%, which is pretty impressive. And then we've got Tiger and Jetstar fighting it out. Um, Jetstar's a really profitable airline doing great work and Tiger's not a profitable airline doing bad work. Um, right. And That's interesting that that's your evaluation of Jetstar because as a customer, my evaluation of Jetstar is not quite as 
<laughs> Glowing. Well, perhaps you're more suited to a virgin flight Maybe experience. I am then. Maybe that's <laughs> and, true. And me knowing you, I think you probably are. That's but not an option now, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Too soon. So, the, you know, what are the lessons to learn here and what's going on? Um, so virgin's making money, virgin blue making money, and there's a leadership change. And again, I'm, I love business and I love leadership and I'm not having to go at leaders because I think some of these leaders are – 10x the business person I'll ever be. Mm. Um, remember, our enemy is the gap. But I do believe that the period of time um, in that change where a guy called John Borghetti um, took over at Virgin and he spent 36 years at Qantas mm. prior. <laughs> right. He was tipped to be the new CEO of Qantas bef- uh, as Jeff Dixon was exiting. Right. And, and he wasn't. It, that got appointed to Alan Joyce, who's the current CEO of Qantas, and has done a pretty impressive job turning that airline around. Yeah. And so after six months he quits Qantas and Virgin pick him up a little while later. And it was during that season of leadership that a series of changes were made that I believe moved the focus and they lost focus on their core reason for existence and as that focus expanded, it cost a hell of a lot of money. Mm. Right now, over $6 billion in debt they're carrying mm. because of those decisions. And so when the tide goes out, there's, there's no pants. Mm. So, so what happened? Well, when, when Borghetti took over, he had a really clear instruction to say we need – to become a direct competitor to Qantas. Right. And so you you actually you've got to understand what they did. They took a profitable business model. And yes, they weren't delivering the bells and whistles and the frills that you got on the Qantas experience. And they said we're not getting enough of the corporate customer or the business customer. So we need to be more like Qantas. Right. And I think that was mistake number 1. Um, we, we need we need to actually compete against Qantas head to head as a full service global airline, mm. and so is that not a noble pursuit? The pursuit of being a full service global airline, sure, great. great, but don't measure yourself against. Yeah, there was too much of a um, too much of the. Um, focusing on your competitor. Focusing on your competitor versus focusing on the customer and saying, how do we become the full service mm. or how do we become a global airline? Mm. Drop full service. Mm. How do we become a global airline of significance mm. and, and you know, Qantas is enjoying fantastic market share and it, he really stepped back. And I, I think the, the challenge here was where he turned around and, and said to the brand agent at the time, I'm not, I'm not going to, name names or talk to people, but effectively said, help us become a full service global brand to take on Qantas Airways. And and that was effectively the brief. So what happened? Um, a lot of good things on the surface happened. Um, the name changed from Virgin Blue to Virgin Australia. Mm. Why? Well, that sounds more corporate, corporate global. Mm. Um, they wanted to take some Australianism and inject it into the brand. Mm. They're trying to take territory from Qantas. What does Qantas stand for? Mm. It, it's Spirit of Australia. Spirit of Australia. It's, it's Australian. So yep. let's be Virgin Australia. Yeah. Mm. 
Um, suddenly, um, it seems innocuous enough. At the time, it's like, yeah, that, that makes sense. And, and look, at the time, they did have some real personality challenges in the brand, mm. uh, i.e., um, by this stage, they had Virgin Blue Pacific and they were, they were flying Pacific routes and mm. New Zealand routes. And it was, from a personality perspective, it was possibly cluttered and a bit clumsy. Um, I think the, the change here, though, is to go, let's become Virgin Australia. Um, the uniforms changed. Mm-hmm. Um, now, again, these aren't problems. These are symptoms of a bigger problem. In brand, and, and I say this all the time, we often – brand is not about colours, look, feel. That's an expression yep. of what the brand is. But we can look at that expression and we can work out what's going on behind the scenes uh-huh. and some of the decisions being made. So a whole bunch of things – an investment in more lounges, an investment in new planes. Suddenly mm-hmm. they moved off the 737 model into the A series from from Boeing and mm-hmm. – and that cost a lot of money, like $220 million to buy a brand new plane and then a whole suite of planes. Virgin started to completely transform its customer experience. And according to some metrics, that was successful. They were taking market share. Mm. Personally, um, having had the pleasure of sitting in row one or two to LA a couple of times, um, it was an amazing experience, like yeah. brilliant. But they weren't it. making money. But the problem was they weren't making money. Yeah. And and as you ex- as you expand your focus, you create weakness, uh-huh. and the weakness was in the business model. And and if you've been listening to our podcast, we always talk about the contextual flow of how brand connects to vision, market strategy, business model then customer experience, then employee experience. Mm. A business model must be able to afford sustainably the customer experience that it promises to its to its customers. So they were basically putting customer experience, they were, they were investing in CX on a credit card. Exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. Which is a debt that eventually at some point they're going to have to pay back. Y- yeah. And um, not to pick on John Borghetti, um, but this is a quote from John Borghetti. We could quite easily, tomorrow, slash and burn, cut staff, dumb down the product, close a lounge or two. That would save us millions and next season's numbers would probably look pretty good. But I'll tell you what, in a year's time, we would have gone backwards. Our view here has always been that for the long-term sustainability and profitability of the business, you've got to do a few things that will cause some debts. But we've got to do them, otherwise we'll never get there. Now, So that's spend money to make money is yeah. basically... Now, that's not wrong, yeah. but if you spend too much money to make money and you create a customer experience that's unsustainable, then at some point the business model collapses and the customer experience is completely destroyed. So mm. we can see contextually that the over-promising customer experience bought on the credit card was destroying the business model. So you've got a, you've got a business here that gets about four, approximately $4 billion in revenue. They owe over $6 billion in, in debts right now. When the when the headwinds hit, Qantas, who had a far more robust balance sheet, is able to survive those headwinds, and and I, and I think the the challenge here is for Virgin to 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 step around and say, well, how do we create a competing airline that does deliver a great customer experience that customers love? without having to buy what Qantas does. Mm. And, and I think 
they probably had part of the answer and it's it's no denying that the answer is to go back to the to the past that's that's not that, that, sorry there's no denying that there's got to be an answer for the future not a solution from the past but mm-hmm. i think we've got to learn from the past so what was good about the original business model and the original structure that made it work it was simple it was focused it was clear and i and i think you know as a customer did I really need all those extra bells and whistles? To be frank, no. I was happy to get treated well and have a great experience um, and, and I didn't really need all that. That's when, you, when you're corporate Australia or corporate big business and sure you demand that, great. You know, Qantas has tied that up. But what did they do well previously? They did great customer service. They did joyful, fun, exciting trips Mm. um they invested well in into their velocity program and i mean the velocity program is is a great example in order to start paying for some of the effects of the the building the customer experience on the credit card they sold the velocity program right now today the and and leading up to the the nosedive Mm. last year the velocity program was more profitable than the airline right so last year the, the new CEO, who's only been in the chair for well, less than a couple of years, um, secured a deal to start to buy back the Velocity program. Right. Now, that cost almost a couple of hundred million dollars. Uh, again, debt funded, mm. which added to the debt, which when the headwinds hit, caused the problems. It was probably a good decision um, at the time and, if, and hindsight 2020, um, nobody was expecting these kinds of volatility, but... Um, one of the big mistakes was to sell off the profitable parts of the business um, in order to invest into to the invest non-profitable to the parts. non-profitable parts. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, when you break it down to simplicity, yeah. it is stupidity. Yeah, yeah. And 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 I can just well imagine that because um, I've I've seen it in in the corporate boardrooms, you, you're fueled with the egotistical views of well, we can do this, we can achieve this, mm. blah blah blah. It's just debt. Um, it's not. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. And and so when you break it down to that simplicity, you have to look back and go, okay, what what can we learn from that brand? And and so I think I think the the big lessons because mm, um, yeah. there's so much more to say on this topic, yeah. and there's going to be so much more to say. Um, the the big lessons are one, focus, and focus and focus on not just the customer mm. and the customer experience, but the profitable customer and customer experience. Mm. And this is why in our brand anatomy model, business model is a key element of the brand thinking because too many brands make the mistake that thinking brand is just about how we look, feel, function and ho- and, and it's not. Mm. It's how we look, feel, function profitably for a long time. Mm. And and so the gap emerged on the financial side. What was that equation that your lecturer at university <laughs> said yeah. that time? Yeah, revenue equal <laughs> sorry, profit <laughs> equals revenue minus cost. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm so glad you bring that up. It's still crystal clear. Um, he goes, so this is for, for listeners today, yeah. uh, you know, a long time ago now, leaving university and this is, this is our class and, and I remember it was one of the strategic marketing and, and innovation classes and um, – and it was the last lecture of the last semester of the last of everything. Mm. And he goes, you know what, class, I can't teach you anything else. Mm-hmm. 
but you know what I'm going to just reinforce? And, and he walks up to the whiteboard in the in the lecture room and he just stands up and draws that big R, sorry, P equals R minus C. Yeah. Um, and, and profit. He goes, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in finance, whether you're in sales, whether you're in whatever, your job is to build a profitable brand. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and that just resonates so strongly. And, and so the, the lessons here are Virgin chased an image, not a profitable business, yeah. and a profitable customer. And, and I believe that, that, that Virgin lost its focus of what made it Virgin. You know, going back to that Virgin Cola example, the big insight was that they realised, oh, hang on, we're trying to be somebody who we're not. Mm. And I think a lot of Virgin people are waking up going, gosh, we tried to be Qantas. Yeah. And in fact, that's the, the reason we exist as Virgin is to be the anti-Qantas. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think the biggest mistake the Virgin board made was putting a guy who lived and breathed Qantas mm. into Virgin. And, and so you end up with a, with a Me Too brand. Mm. What does that mean? It means you're making market share because you're buying fake advocacy. And it's fake because it's unsustainable. Oh, that's brutal, isn't it? That is brutal. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I think the other lessons here, you know, if we if we just break them down, so so whether you're a small business, a medium sized business, or a big business, um, and and one thing we we probably didn't talk about, and it, and the reason why I'm so hard on on the last ten years is because um, the first few years of Borghetti's reign was tied up in what was called the capacity wars, and the capacity wars was when Virgin said we're going to be Virgin Australia and we're going to take on Qantas. And we're going to be better than you. And so they just dumped the market with capacity. Uh. Just added more routes. Not necessarily thinking about profit, but thinking about market share. And so what did Qantas do? They responded literally with every route Virgin put down. They'd put down at least another one, sometimes two. And, and so this capacity just exploded in, in the airline industry from Virgin and Qantas. Uh. And it was wonderful as a traveller. Yeah. I remember travelling in those times going, i got a whole road of myself and it's the flipping 6am to Sydney. <laughs> this is fantastic. And, and it was just dumb. It was just, it was eager. So Qantas responded because they had a better financial basis on which to respond, whereas, whereas Virgin were just doing it to get market share. Yeah. And, and look, did they get market share over that 10-year period? Absolutely. Mm. You know, double-digit market share. But it wasn't profitable market share. Mm. It was bought at a price and a price they could not pay back. Mm. And, and so they, 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 they made their enemy a competitor. Mm. And, you know, was, was that because of the corporate situation at the time and one leader leaving from one to the other? I don't know, but it's got to be biased in it. Mm. There's got to be elements. They lost their focus on the true customer and just chase the me too. So, so a couple of big things. So staying true to your original brand purpose and, you know, what problem do we solve? Uh, Virgin solved a making the air fair problem and, and they could keep solving that problem. They could have solved that problem for decades to come. They didn't need to solve a fancy corporate problem. Mm. They just they, – they could get fancy corporate customers, don't get me wrong, if they kept true to their original mm. brand existence. Secondly, make your enemy the gap, not the competitor. 
know, we've dedicated podcasts to this. Yep. They accrued hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of debt trying to have a, a fisticuff fight with Qantas. And all over what? Market share. What's market share? It's a number in a spreadsheet. Yeah. It does not deliver profit. Profit comes when you get a customer that pays for something you make margin on. Margin is the secret. Mm. And, and so don't go to war with your competitors. Battle for your customer. And, and I think they, they fought the wrong battle. Lastly, and I've, I've said it um, before, but the point here is stick to a profitable positioning even if you think it's not sexy. So you've got this airline that's fun, that's not corporate, that's not big end of town, that's not ties and waistcoats, turning around going, we want to be ties and waistcoats and big end of town. Yeah. And you've created an experience that's not profitable and you've shifted your positioning off a customer who actually loved the original experience. Yeah. So when, when, when we break up this brand and we go, great vision? Yes, great vision. Great market assessment? Mm, originally, yes, lost its way. Great business model? No, effed it up around 2, 10, 11 and 12. Great customer experience? Absolutely, wonderful. Love it, just yeah. can't afford it as a business to keep doing it. Great employee experience? I don't know, having met um, employees of Virgin and, and they all speak admirably about the culture and, and, and what was delivered, you'd have to say yes. Um, so the Virgin Australia brand ticks so many good boxes, it forgot to tick one of the most important. The business. The business model. Um, and when you get that wrong, um, at some point you pay. So sadly, somebody else will pay. Stu, just to recap, stay true to your brand purpose. Your enemy is the gap, not the competitor. Yes, and that gap, remember, could either be on the belief side of the brand yeah. or the financial side of the brand. Yeah, and this was definitely a financial one. Yep. Yeah. Fight for the customer is uh, another point that you made and position for profit. Yeah. We could talk about this longer than we've got time for right now, but we do need to wrap it up. I'm sure that you might actually have thoughts about this yourself. Well, you can join the conversation on Twitter at blurt underscore loud. Or if you want to find out more about what services Blurt offers, have more of a conversation with Stu about this one, then you can find all the details on how to contact us at our website, blurt.co.